0: PART ONE OF ADAPTATION This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Phil Chenever Adaptation by Mac Reynolds This story was first published in Astounding Science Fiction, August 1960 forward and part one hardly had man solved his basic problems on the planet of his origin than he began to fumble into space barely a century had elapsed in the exploration of the solar system than he began to grope for the stars and suddenly with all but religious zeal mankind conceived its fantasy dream of populating the galaxy Never in the history of the race had Fervor reached such a peak, and held so long. The question of why was seemingly ignored. Millions of Earth-type planets beckoned, and with a lemming-like desperation humanity erupted into them. But the obstacles were frightening in their magnitude. The planets and satellites of Sol had proven comparatively tractable, and those that were suited to man-life were quickly brought under his dominion but there of course he had the advantage of proximity the time involved in running back and forth to the home planet was meaningless and all earth's resources could be thrown into each problem's solving but a planet a year removed in transportation or even communication Aye, this was another thing, and more than once a million colonists were lost before the earthlings could adapt to new climate, new flora and fauna, new bacteria, or to factors which the most far-out visionary had never fancied, perhaps the lack of something never before missed. So, mad with the lust to seed the universe with his kind, man sought new methods. To a hundred thousand worlds they sent smaller colonies, as few as a hundred pioneers apiece, and there marooned them, to adapt if adapt they could. For a millennium each colony was left to its own resources, to conquer the environment or to perish in the effort. A thousand years was sufficient. Invariably it was found, on those planets where human life survived at all, man slipped back during his first two or three centuries into a state of barbarism, then slowly began to inch forward again. There were exceptions, and the progress on one planet never exactly duplicated that on another. However, the average was surprisingly close to both nadir and zenith in terms of evolution of society. In a thousand years it was deemed by the office of galactic colonization, Such pioneers had largely adjusted to the new environment, and were ready for civilization, industrialization, and eventual assimilation into the rapidly evolving galactic commonwealth. Of course, even from the beginning new and unforeseen problems manifested themselves. From Man in Antiquity, published in Terra City, Sol, Galactic Year 3502. ADAPTATION PART ONE The coordinator said, I suppose I'm an incurable romantic. You see, I hate to see you go. Academician Amschel Mayer was a man in early middle years. Dr. Leonid Plekhanov his contemporary. They offset one another. Mayer thin and high-pitched his colleague, heavy slow and dour. Now they both showed their puzzlement. The coordinator added, "'Without me!' Plekhanov kept his massive face blank. It wasn't for him to be impatient with his superior. Nevertheless, the ship was waiting, stocked and crewed. Amschel Mayer said, "'Certainly a last-minute chat can't harm.' Inwardly he realized the other man's position. Here was a dream coming true. And Mayer and his fellows were the last thread that held the coordinator's control over the dream. When they left, half a century would pass before he could again check developments. The coordinator became more businesslike. Yes, he said, but I have more in mind than a chat. Very briefly, I wish to go over your assignment. Undoubtedly redundant, but if there are questions, no matter how seemingly trivial, This is the last opportunity to air them. What possible questions could there be at this late date? Plekhanov thought. The department head swiveled slowly in his chair, and then back again as he talked. You are the first, the first of many, many such teams. The manner in which you handle your task will affect man's eternity. Obviously, since upon your experience we will base our future policies on interstellar colonization. His voice lost volume. The position in which you find yourselves should be humbling. It is, Amshel Mayer agreed. Plekhanov nodded his head. The coordinator nodded, too. However, the situation is as near ideal as we could hope. Rigel's planets are all but unbelievably Earth-like. Almost all our flora and fauna have been adaptable. Certainly our race has been. These two are the first of the seeded planets. Almost a thousand years ago we deposited small bodies of colonists upon each of them. Since then we have periodically checked from a distance, but never intruded." His eyes went from one of his listeners to the other. "'No comments or questions thus far?' Mayer said. This is one thing that surprises me. The colonies are so small to begin with. How could they possibly populate a whole world in one millennium? The coordinator said, Man adapts, Amshel, Have you studied the development of the United States? During her first century and a half the need was for population to fill the vast lands wrested from the Amerinds. Families of eight, ten and twelve children were the common thing, Much larger ones were not unknown, and the generations crowded one against another. A girl worried about spinsterhood if she reached seventeen unwed. But in the next century the frontier vanished, the driving need for population was gone. Not only were drastic immigration laws passed, but the family shrunk rapidly until by mid-twentieth century. The usual consisted of two or three children and even the childish family became increasingly common. Mayer frowned impatiently. <laughs> but still, a thousand years. There was always famine, war, disease. Plekanov snorted patronizingly. <laughs> Forty to fifty generations. Amshel, starting with a hundred colonists, where are your mathematics? The coordinator said, The proof is there. We estimate that each of Rigel's planets now supports a population of nearly one billion. To be more exact, Plekhanov rumbled, some nine hundred million on Genoa, seven and a half on Texcoco. Mayer smiled wryly. I wonder what the residents of each of these planets call their worlds. Hardly the same names we have arbitrarily bestowed. Probably each call theirs the world, the coordinator smiled. After all, the basic language, in spite of a thousand years, is still Amer English. However, I assume you are familiar with our method of naming. The most advanced culture on Rigel's first planet is to be compared to the Italian cities during Europe's feudalistic era. We have named that planet Genoa. The most advanced nation of the second planet is comparable to the Aztecs at the time of the conquest. We considered Chitilian, but it seemed a tongue-twister. So Texcoco is the alternative. Modernizing Genoa, Mayor mused, should be considerably easier than the task of semi-primitive Texcoco. Plekhanov shrugged. Not necessarily. The coordinator held up a hand and smiled at them. Please, no debates on methods at present. An hour from now you will be in space with a year of travel before you. During that time you'll have opportunity for discussion, debate, and hair-pulling on every phase of your problem." His expression became more serious. "'You are acquainted with the unique position you assume. These colonists are in your control to an extent no small group has ever dominated millions of others before. No Caesar ever exerted the power that will be in your educated hands. For a half-century you will be as gods. Your science, your productive know-how, your medicine, if it comes to that your weapons, are many centuries in advance of theirs. As I said before, your position should be humbling." Mayer squirmed in his chair. Why not check upon us, say, once every decade? In all our ship's company numbers but sixteen persons. Almost anything could happen. If you were to send a department craft each ten years--" The coordinator was shaking his head. "'Your qualifications are as high as any one available. Once on the scene you will begin accumulating information which we here in Terra City do not have. Were we to send another group in ten years to check upon you, all they could do would be to interfere in a situation all the factors with which they would not be cognizant amschell um, Mayer shifted nervously but no matter how highly trained nor how earnest our efforts we still may fail his voice worried the department cannot expect guaranteed success after all we are the first admittedly your group is first to approach the hundreds of thousands of planets we have seated if you fail we will use your failure to perfect the eventual system we must devise for future teams Even your failure would be of infinite use to us.' He lifted and dropped a shoulder. "'I have no desire to undermine your belief in yourselves, but—how are we to know—perhaps there will be a score of failures before we find the ideal method of quickly bringing these primitive colonies into our galactic commonwealth.' The coordinator came to his feet and sighed. He still hated to see them go. If there is no other discussion, End of part one.